Jesus, we thank you once again for this morning. Presence that we want, Lord, we desire. Lord, this evening, this morning, even as we are here in your, in your midst, speak to our hearts. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Lord, strengthen us. Build us up. Your word says, build yourself in the most holy faith. And Lord, the end of all things is at hand. Your word says, Lord, be sober and watchful. And therefore, O Lord, I pray, even through the ministry of the word, that you would sanctify us, that you would would wash us by the water of your word, that you would strengthen us in our faith, and the foundations that we stand on will become firmer and firmer. Speak to our hearts. Come at this time into your hands. Anoint us in the speaking, the hearing, believing, and the obeying. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' name, Amen. I titled today's uh, meditation as A Firm Foundation. A Firm Foundation. You know, one of the things that um, we've been taught in engineering, when we build systems, systems have to last. Not only last, they should behave in a way that is consistent over a period of time. Because every system that we build and engineer builds will be subject to some kind of a yeah uncertainty. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was a there was a scientist whom we used to uh, revere during our days. Um, He said, every system has to be robust to uncertainties. (laughs) And then he said, how good your system depends, how how strong is your system depends upon how how well you model your uncertainty. I mean, think about it now. How can you model uncertainty? Therefore, he puts a cavalier. He says, a precise model of uncertainty is an oxymoron. <laughs> so, because uncertainty by itself is uncertain. So how can you model it? <laughs> you know, life will throw at you all kinds of uncertainties. And the times that we are entering into are uncertain, perilous, dangerous times. It is not going to be just, it's, it's going to be allowed by God because it says in Hebrews chapter 12, and let's read from verse 25. By the way, Joanna, thank you for that song. It revived my, whew, my, my, the spirit of my hymns. Okay. <laughs> All my repertoire, the, 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 was this, this song was hidden somewhere in my repertoire. Just came out. Praise God. I'm going to add it into the curriculum. Okay. Praise God. Thank you so much. We used to sing that song during our Methodist days. We were Methodists. Okay. Uh, so that, that song was there in my repertoire. So I, I loved it. I loved that song. So beautiful. So beautifully sung. So she said, see that you do not refuse him who speaks for 
understand see that you do not refuse him that speaks for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth this is talking about mount sinai of course when god came in all his glory and hid his glory in the cloud of darkness much more shall we not escape if we turn from him who speaks from heaven whose voice then shook the earth that not only that when he shook the earth even moses it says trembled because the lawgiver it says law came through moses and moses himself trembled whose voice then shook the earth but now he has promised saying this is a promise okay you don't like this promise okay we like all those promises this is the promise of god yet once more shake not only the earth but also the heaven this is a promise <laughs> okay it's going to shake now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of the things that are made that the things which cannot be shaken may remain therefore since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken let us have grace by which we may serve god acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our god is a consuming fire is as a teacher as a pro- professor whatever you know called lecturer one of the things that i'm interested in students is that make sure that your foundations are firm strong a firm foundation and how do you build a firm foundation in the light of what we've been hearing from the story and the not the story the 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 the, the testimony of elijah the prophet who's going to come back once once again by the way in luke's gospel chapter 4 this is when jesus is has been tested in the wilderness and he comes out from the testing after 40 days and 40 nights in the power of the holy spirit it says and he, then he goes preaching the gospel healing the sick enters into nazareth goes to nazareth and then he goes to the synagogue and then you know the scroll is given to him that day it was divine appointment by the way right they were looking looking for a person to to whom the scroll should be given so they found jesus so they said why don't you read i think there was the the norm those days one the, one of them will read the scripture so he opens the scripture goes to isaiah and he reads that portion we know the spirit of the lord is upon upon me and the lord has anointed me etc and everybody is stunned by the words that he the way he reads scripture i mean it's remarkably powerful right he just reads the scripture and he says today this word has been fulfilled in your hearing and everybody is stunned by the words the word the bible says the gracious words that come from his lips you know when you read scripture also just just don't read it one of the ways i read scripture is i read it loud faith comes by hearing okay so when i read it loud what goes out into the ear into the mind percolates into the heart and then what comes faith he reads scripture and everybody stunned just by the way he reads you know sometimes when people do scripture reading in some churches some people they just do it by root and there'll be one guy who will be called and when he does scripture reading that day the way he reads scripture with the punctuations and the and the and the way he pauses and then when the, the intonation changes etc the emphasis etc just the way he reads he knows what he's reading and jesus reads the scriptures and they're all stunned and they say is this not joseph's son no that's that's the reason why you know when children pray and children sing you should not despise them 
Listen carefully to words that come out, come out of their mouths. Because I'm going to mention that. Okay. Very, very careful. Don't despise. Because God is speaking through every vessel. And we have to be in tune. So, is this not Joseph's son? And then this is what Jesus says. Luke's Gospel chapter 4 and verse 23 onwards. He said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he goes back into the old covenant and he mentions two prophets. Then he said, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his, own, in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. And there was a great famine throughout the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet and no one, uh, none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all in the synagogue, when they heard it, they were full of anger. You know, <laughs> you know, full of anger. They were offended and they wanted to throw Rose him, thrust him out, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they may throw him down under the cliff. Two men, two testimonies were mentioned. Okay, pulled out from the old covenant, and that made them angry. In the last few weeks, we've been looking at the prototype of an individual who prepared, who's prepared for the last days. The story of Elijah. We were looking at the life of Elijah, the journey of Elijah with God. His life as a paradigm for us in the New Testament for those who are living in the last days. Because the Bible says there will be a visitation of the Elijah anointing in the last days before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. The primary purpose being that through the Elijah ministry, the hearts of the fathers will be turned back to their, I mean, sorry, to, to their children and the children to their fathers. That means there'll be a repentance. This has happened in the Old Covenant. And everything that happens in the Old Covenant is a type. There were many widows in Zarephath, in, in Israel, by the way. But Elijah was sent to Zarephath. You know, we talk about types. And you look, look through the Bible, entire Bible is a type of Christ, his bride, a believer in Christ. Etc. You'll see the pictures. The widow is a picture of the last day's church. Much of it is made of Gentiles. It's in it's inside him, right? The boy is a prototype of the congregation <laughs> of the next generation. Being a widow means what? She lost her covering. And it is a verge of losing. Her strength, her relevance, her authority, and influence. That's a church. Church lost her covering. And the moment it loses the covering, it loses the anointing, it loses the relevance, it loses its influence, and it is at the verge of collapsing. There is no fresh inflow coming into our life. 
what is she doing? She is literally fighting for her survival. And relevance. Trying its best to save its next generation. From the onslaught of the demonic. And the impending judgments of God. You see, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, I've been looking at some youth. I, mean, I just went through... Uh, went to uh, to a youth meeting a uh, couple of uh, weeks back. Brother John and I were there. Sometimes when I, s- I saw them, and most of them come from believing homes, and most of them also come from ministry homes. And the kind of things these kids are going through, it's heartbreaking. And when you see the need of what a child is going through, especially in this, in his, in his age, particular age, and what has been given to them from so-called people from Bible college backgrounds, brilliant minds. I mean, it's not an indictment on anybody. I mean, I just love everybody. I mean, I'm not against Bible colleges. But nothing has been spoken Into their lives, which will bring them to conviction. Which will bring them to repentance. Which will show to them the holiness of God. I mean, there is, and and, and when that brother who, who, uh, who invited me to share in the youth, he was saying, the children don't listen to us. They're going through incredible struggles and we do not know what to do with them. And the point is, these are children from believing homes and, ironically, from ministry homes. So, you have a boy and a, ch- I mean, a, a prototype of a church and its next generation. And the, the church has lost its covering. It's a picture of the person who has lost its covering, lost its authority, lost its relevance. There's no word, there's no fresh inflow of the word of God. Trying to go through the scrapes of the word. And trying to make a meal, trying and fighting for survival. Now think about it. When Jesus went, he went in triumph. How should the church go go out? You know, Telugu they are saying, Maranamo, sorry, Vijayamo, Virasvargamo. You know what that means? Either victory or martyrdom in victory. In the presence of the Lord. You see, that is how a believer has to leave. He has to go. I mean, I remember Chuck, Chuck Swindle. He's about 90 now. He said, you know what he says? I want to be preaching. And when I'm preaching, I want to, when I'm dying, I should be dying preaching. I should have saved, through my last message, I should have saved a bunch of guys who have, from, the, from the kingdom of darkness and die there and go to, go to heaven. That is how the church has to go. And what has happened here now? You have a, a, a widow lost her covering, lost her anointing, and now she goes through the word. There's no fresh inflow of the word coming, and she's trying to manufacture something just for the survival of herself and her next generation and I. The Bible says in Amos chapter 8. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. That I will send. What? A famine in the land. 
What? What kind of a famine? Not a famine of bread, nor of a thirst for water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they will not what? Find it. Is it not? Does it mean that they don't have the Bible? Oh yeah, they, they have the Bible. You know what Jesus says in John's Gospel chapter 6? He says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Father will give. That is the word we're talking about. We're talking about the living word. We're not talking, we're not talking about the, we're not having the Bible per se. We're talking about a fresh inflow from heaven. A fresh word which strengthens us in the last days. How does faith come? We know this verse very well, right? Romans chapter 10 verse 17, it says, So faith comes from what? Hearing. And hearing by the word. You know what the word? The word is the rima. Not just any word, not the logos. Not your theories. Not your understandings. Not your ideas. But it is the living word which has been breathed by God. That is the word. It's a word which has been anointed. Other translations which which says which says by the hearing by the word of Christ. Christ means the anointing. The anointed one. Meshiach. So there were so many people in Israel. During the time of John the Baptist. With a lot of accomplishments. They had the word, they had the they had the rabbis, they had the teachers, they had the synagogues. Look at what it says. Luke's Gospel chapter 3. All these people, 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being the governor of Judea, Herod being the tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip being being the tetrarch of Ituria and the region of Triconitus, Triconitus and Licinus, tetrarch of Abilene, while Ananas, Annas, and Caiaphas were the high priests, the word. What is that? The Rima of God came to whom? John, a type of Elijah. You see, her survival of this widow depended completely on how she responded to the prophetic word. The real living word. How do we respond? How did she respond? That's the reason why Jesus says there were so many widows but Elijah was sent to one widow whom he knew beforehand because he's God who sees the end from the beginning. He saw this woman has the faith to obey. Her survival completely depended upon her obedience to the prophetic word. Let me tell you something. In the last days, our survival completely is dependent not upon hearing the prophetic word but on what? Obeying. Pastor has been doing the book of Revelations, a series. Blessed are those who read, who hear and who keep. It is in the keeping. Now that you know them, that's what Jesus says, now that you know all these things, blessed are you if you do them. The blessing is in the doing. 
Isn't, there's no other way. See, for this woman, for her survival, for her relevance, for her influence in these last days, for the survival of her next generation, completely dependent upon how she would respond to the prophetic word. Obedience to God, by the way, in little things and in the big things, builds the foundation for our life. It makes our foundations firmer and stronger. It is the obedience that builds the foundation. Not the hearing that builds the foundation. I do not say it. Luke's Gospel chapter 6. Look at what it says. But why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not? What is that? Everybody said do. Do. The things which I say. Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house, dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood rose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it. Could not shake it. The shaking of all things is going to happen. Could not shake it. Why? Because he obeyed the word. Obeyed the word. You know what this kind of obedience was? It was risky obedience. Now think about it. No? It's got little atta, little oil, enough to make one roti, two rotis for her and for her son. That's the last meal. And God says, give it to me. Risky. <laughs> See, obedience to God is risky. But that risky obedience is the foundation for your life. It's not going to be easy to obey. You see, Jesus said, I mean, God told Joshua, the land is there. Every place that you're going to spread upon, I have given it to you. Be strong and very courageous to obey what I told you. You see? Be strong and very courageous to obey. So why do you need courage for? Not to conquer the enemy. To obey. <laughs> do you understand that? So if you obey, the, the enemy will be conquered. You see, there's a verse in Proverbs chapter 13 verse 15. It says, the way of the transgressors or the unfaithful is very hard. The people who live their lives without faith, the way of the unfaithful are people who live their lives based upon sight is very hard. We, we think living by sight is hard. No, 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 no. Living by faith is easy, although it might seem risky. Living by sight is hard. It's hard. Okay, chew on that. Okay, food for thought for you. How is it? Yeah, it is. Obedience to God in little things and in the big things is the source of all wisdom too. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, he's like, what? A wise man who built the house on the rock. So, God talks about obedience. Obedience to what? A prophetic word. Obedience to what the prophet has to say. Obedience to seek what the prophet has to say. The prophetic word. 
The second kind of obedience that will build a strong foundation is obedience without offense. Say that everybody. Aha. Uh-huh. Obedience without offense. Give you an example. Second Kings chapter 5. The Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back a captive. This is for verse 2 onwards, 5 verse 2 onwards. Of Israel, she waited on Naman's wife. Who's this? A young girl. That's the reason why I like today's worship. I'm sorry, the prayer and this offertory from a young girl from the land of Israel. No name, okay. She waited on Naman's wife and she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who was in Syria. Just, just one word. And what did Naman do? Immediately he obeyed. Who are you, servant girl? Why should I listen to you? They have never said that. You could be that young, insignificant girl, a prisoner of war, POW, but has authority because she believed in the prophetic word. And so what did Naman do? He goes to the prophet. You know, you know the story, right? And the prophet says, he doesn't even meet him. He sends his servant and says, go and dip yourself seven times in Jordan, you're healed. And Naman is mighty offended, okay? Mighty offended. Naman became furious and went away and said, indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not Abana and Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than the waters of Israel? Go there and wash yourself. You will be, you will continue in your leprosy. So he turned and went away in what? Lower age. You know, sometimes, you know, people just walk out of the church in rage. Pastor was talking about me only. Rage. You know what? You, you, you remember? See, and suddenly a, a, a guy comes and he says, Father, insignificant guy, if the prophet would have said something great, would you not have done it? You know what he does? He overcomes his offense. Puts away his pride. He takes off his garments. Shows to the whole world that he is leper. You remember who is declared as clean in Leviticus? The person who is leprous from head to toe is declared was declared as what? Clean? It's clean? You know why? He exposed himself and he did not hide. He took away offense. Obedience without offense. To insignificant voices. You see? That is the reason why you need, see, depth. How do you get depth when you overcome offense? You find depth. Not my words. Mark's Gospel chapter 4. We know the parable of the sower. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had... And because it had what? No depth. No depth of earth. Immediately it fell away. Who are these people? Why did they fall away? Because they were offended. At the word. Offended. You see, in the Bible you see different kinds of people. The Bible is a story of the faith Faithful and the unfaithful. That's it. Two categories only. The faithful and the unfaithful. Saul and David. Saul sinned. 
David sinned. Saul said, I have sinned. David also said, I have sinned. Why do you think? Why do you think notwithstanding all the trials that David went through and the mistakes and the horrible sins that he committed? Bible says, he is a man after what? God's own heart in Telugu. It's very interesting. Means he knows exactly what my heart is. He understands my intentions. He understands what is going through my, through my heart. And he does it. In Hindi there is a saying, no? Samajdarko. Ishara kafi So David just knows the ishara's of God and he does it. And because he knew he had a foundation in his life, a very firm foundation, so even when he fell into sin, he could be restored because of that firm foundation. Now, you look at the story of Israel, you look at the story of Ahab, you look at the story of Jehoshaphat. Ahab belongs to the northern kingdom, whose foundations are what? The the Baal altars that Jeroboam built. Remember? And you will see Israel, that the northern kingdom, is never able to recover, even though there are semblances of revival in that land. You know why? Because the foundations were destroyed. And you will see king after king after king, and even Jehu, who had the anointing of Elijah upon his life. He could not bring lasting revival. Only for four generations he could do it. You know why? Because he went back to the sins of Jeroboam. He went back to the sins of Jeroboam. David's own words, you know what he says? Look at how he describes his foundation. This is found in Psalms, Second uh, Samuel chapter 22 and Psalm 18 also. We know, we, we sing that song, very famous song for us. I love thee, O Lord, thou art my rock. Remember, this is what he says. Second Samuel chapter 22. Then David spoke to the Lord the words of the song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies, from the hand of Saul, and he said, the Lord is my rock. My fortress. My deliverer. You see, he is my foundation. And therefore, notwithstanding all the onslaught of the enemy, all the trials that I went through, all the failings in my life, all the compromises that I made, all the fallings in my life, all the miserable sins that I've committed, I was able to be restored. You know why? Because my foundation is strong. Therefore, the question here is, How do we build a strong foundation? He goes on to say, the God of my strength, in whom I will trust, etc., etc., etc. How do we build a strong foundation? So we know the foundations that we've been taught. But I want to look at foundations today in the light of receiving the prophetic word. What is a prophetic word? Prophetic word is nothing. It is not just predicting the future as to what is going to happen to you. The Bible says the church is built upon the foundation of the two people. Who are are they? The apostles and the prophets. The apostles who build the doctrine and the prophets who bring build correction. Based upon the doctrine that you received. And based upon the life that you're living. So today I want to talk about foundation in the light of receiving the prophetic word. Let's look at one very familiar passage for all of us. This is found in the gospel according to Matthew chapter number 16. This is where, uh, this is in Caesarea Philippi. 
Remember Philippi? Jesus is, Jesus is asking, who do you think people are saying about me? So this is verse number 14. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, what do you say I am? <clears throat> and he says, uh, Simon, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to them, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, a stone. And later on, Peter says, we are all living stones being built up into a spiritual house, etc. And on this rock, what is that rock? The foundation of the revelation that he received. I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus, the Christ, until the resurrection, of course. The first ingredient in building a foundation, as I said, is receiving a revelation from the correct source. What did I say? Receiving the revelation from the correct source. The revelation and the source of it. Pay attention first of all. So first let us get the relevance of prophetic revelation. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18. This is what it says. 2 times 9 is how much? 18. Easy to remember. Okay. Where there is no revelation, what do people do? People cast off all restraint. There is no direction in their lives. Look at what it says in the ESV. Where there is no prophetic vision, People cast off all revelation, uh, uh, restraint and NKG also says the same thing. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off all restraint. So, and what is revelation? What is revelation? Is a revelation, I said, you should be very careful about the revelation and the source of it. The source of the revelation is also very important. And what is revelation? Is a revelation of who Christ is. Meaning what? This is the standards of God. This is who Christ is. This is who God is. God is loving. God is righteous. God is holy. God is kind. God is etc. All the attributes of who God is and in the light of who God is, examining ourselves in the light of who he is. Causing ourselves to examine our lives in the light of what who he is. And what is revelation again? Prophet, what is, a, what is, a, what is the essence of the prophetic? Revelation chapter 19 verses 9 and 10. This is what it says. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brothers who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Why? For the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. So what does the prophetic reveal? The witness of Christ, the life of Christ, the, the standards of Christ. That is what the prophetic means. And it is a, it's a revelation. So what you should be careful? You should be careful about the revelation and the source. Galatians chapter 1, look at what it says. Uh, this is Apostle uh, Paul's own words. But I make known to you, 
Brothers, the gospel which I, which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught, but it came through revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation. The source is very important. Why? Because there was a woman with the spirit of Python, remember? And what did she say? Oh, hear these people, these are the servants of the Most High God, hear them. Was it true? Oh, it's true. What is the source? Think about it. She had the spirit of Python. If she would have, if Paul did not have the discernment, and he did not test the spirit, that's the reason why the Bible says, test every spirit. Abstain from every appearance of evil. Cling to what is good. Test. Source is important. So what does it mean? When you get a revelation or whatever, when you're receiving the word of God, if you do not have a life in the scriptures with God, you could be deceived. So whenever you get a prophetic revelation, it does a lot of things. Okay? It, I'll show you what it does. It, it, it does at least six things. Okay? First, let us, let us look, look at the word. Okay? Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 9. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So what, did I, what am I going to do? See what, have, what I'm doing today. I have set this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build and to plant. Six things it does. First thing it does is, it. what does it do? What does it, do? it expels first thing. Root out. It goes to the root of the problem. See, most of our problems are not just physical. The root of the problem, most of the problems are spiritual. It's very important to understand that. Many of our issues are, are not just physical or even mental. They're spiritual. And unless and until that spirit is identified and expelled, you don't really get delivered. Expelling is important. So when the word comes, what does it do? It exposes the demonic in our life. The influence of the demonic in our lives. Very important to understand this. So it expels. It goes to the root of the problem. Some problems are physical. Some problems are mental. But the one which is both is dental. Is what I heard when I was a kid. Okay. That is all that the science can take you. To the psychology. But beyond psychology, there's a spiritual realm. There's an invisible spiritual realm. And the preaching of the word of God, you know what it does? It exposes all the hidden things. It goes to the root of the problem. You see, in Psalm 18, this is David's words, okay? It's a messianic psalm. When he's talking about his rock. What happens? Psalm 18. And this is the NIV translation. Verse, verse 44 and 45. Foreigners cover before me as soon as they hear of me. The word comes out. In all of us, there are so many foreigners. Okay? They obey me. They lose heart. They come trembling from their 
Oh, in all of our lives there are strongholds. The word comes with authority and with unction. You know what it does? It exposes that. It goes to the root of the problem. See, for us who are spiritual, that is the reason why the Bible says, the spiritual man discerns all things and yet he is not discerned by any man. The natural man or the man of the soul or the soulish man. When you think, you say things of the spirit to him, it is what? Foolishness to him. You know what they will say? Vijay, this is all. What are you talking about? In a, think about it. In a science lab, if I go to my, my professor and I say, sir, I mean, I remember when I, <laughs> when I was, when I told him, I'm, sir, I'm, I'm actually going into the ministry and looked at me and he said, Vijay, I don't understand this, Vijay. I don't understand this, whatever God you're talking about, cosmos. He, he said he created the cosmos. Why would he be so concerned with an insignificant creature like us? I don't understand this. And the same professor, when his wife was, di- was diagnosed with leukemia, he called me and he said, Vijay, please go to your church and pray to your God so that my wife will be saved from leukemia. You see? I mean, I remember when we were in IIT Kanpur, our professors took us to a mission trip in, uh, in, in, in um, a place called, a place in Uttar Pradesh called remember the name of the place. I don't forget. I forget uh, it's, a, it's a very old remote place. The FMPB missionaries were there. So our professors knew the FMPB missionaries, so they invited us to do a, a three-day seminar. So we went there. They said, you know, there's so much of opposition over here. Come and pray and strengthen us. So we went there. Professors, all of us went there. We all technology guys, and we will go there. And, then, you know, my prof starts preaching. And in the church, people are getting delivered left, right, and center. And we are looking, all engineers from uh, IIT are looking at this. People frothing from their mouth, shaking, all the deliverances happening right in front of our eyes. And then, you know, that is the first time it was an expo, it was a, it was the first time I was exposed to something of authority and preaching with authority and confronting not just the physical problems, but going to the root. And most of the issues that we have in our lives are spiritual. You know, the problem though is there are false prophets. What do they do? It says in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, they have also heal the hurt of my people. How? Slightly means what? Superficially. Saying what? Peace, peace. When there's no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No. They were not at all ashamed. Nor did they know how to blush. Therefore they shall fall among those who fall. At the time I I punish them. They shall be cast down, says the Lord. What has happened? Superficial. You have to go to the root. So the prophetic goes to the root. It tells you this is the issue. It's not easy. And most of the times, we have to discern what is the spiritual problem, what is the spiritual cause behind every situation that I'm going through. And tackle it at the spirit, at the spiritual realm. That's the reason why Pastor was saying yesterday, when we were talking about the gay agenda, this month, by the way, January month is called the Gay Pride Month. It's not Gay Pride Day. We have Mother's Day, Father's Day. Gay month. It's an agenda. And unless and until we win the battle in the spirit, spiritual, 
Tackle it at the spiritual level. We'll still be doing something superficial and you will go back to the cycle of committing sins, repenting, committing sins, repenting, committing sins, repenting, giving up. And saying, there is no God. You know why? Because you have not dealt with the root. So, it pulls down every argument. It destroys every lie. It throws down the authority of the lies that has been established in your life. And then it builds and then it plants. The prophetic does all of this. It goes to the root first. It goes to the source of our issues. And if you obey, what is the result? This is what, this is what, it, say, what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 3. But he who prophesies, what does he do? He speaks edification, exhortation and comfort. So what, what happens at the end of the day? You get edified, you get exhorted, and you are comforted at the same time. So, once you receive the prophetic word, what are we supposed to do? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 16. This is talking about the foundation again. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ. And verse 19, uh, 18, sorry, And I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church on this revelation and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, the moment you receive the prophetic word, the second thing that that you have, that God gives you is initiative. Acting upon what you receive. The initiative. The gates of hell shall not prevail. That means what? The initiative has been given to us. Take the initiative. The prophetic word always looks for people who are ready to take the initiative. It's been spoken. But who are those people who are ready to take the initiative? Second Kings chapter 6. Let, let me give you an example here. And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad king of Syria gathered all his army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Israel. And indeed they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove. You know what one cab is? One pint. Two cups make one pint. Two pints make one quart. Four quarts make one gallon. One pint of dove dropping is what? Five shekels of silver. So what happened? They started eating their children. So two widows said, you know, two mothers said, today we'll cook your child. Tomorrow, we will cook your child. They started eating their children. This is what happens. So this, then what happened? One, one mother, they cooked the, cooked the meal of one mother. And the other mother said, no, I want to pre- preserve my baby. So they had a fight. They went to the king. The king is so upset with Elisha. <laughs> then Elisha prophesies. Look at what Elisha says. Second Kings chapter 7. Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Tomorrow about this time, a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel. And two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer in whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God. Look, if the, wo- if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. So this, the prophetic word is given. And one fellow says, not possible. The prophetic word is given. The word will not come back. Why? What is it looking for? It is looking for people who are going to take the initiative. 
understand that. Second Kings chapter 7. Now there were how many lepers? Four leprous men. You know what they said? Why are we sitting here and dying? Okay. If we stay here, we will die. If we go back, we will die. If we at least take the initiative and go to the front, we may live. need to understand this. Kingdom of God is not for lazy people. It is for people who take the initiative. Not for lazy. Not for people who give excuses. The word was preached to Israel, to the people in the wilderness, but it did not profit them. You know why? Because it was not mixed with faith. They did not take the initiative. Twelve spies came and said, you know what? Ten said, you know what? We can't go there. Two said, let us go there. The defenses are down. The Lord has given the land to us. Laziness in the kingdom of God is will never, ever, ever be blessed. Peter looks at, God looks at Peter. Cast your net on the other side. You know what Peter's testimony was? Lord, we labored all night, but at your word. Look at some indictments of lazy people, okay? I like these beautiful proverbs on lazy people because I'm one of them. Okay, maybe you're all hardworking. This is what it says. The lazy man says, there is a lion on the road, a fierce lion in the streets. In other words, you know what? He gives excuses, doesn't take the initiative. Remember Mordecai and Esther? Mordecai sends this, this message to Esther. This is the edict, the edict from the king. Do something about it. No, 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 no. I don't know what will happen if I go to the king. I might die. Madam, you went to the palace. You were wearing nice clothes, eating fantastic food. What has happened to you? You got used to comfort. You got, you got used to a comfortable lifestyle. You see, I like one man of God, he said, you know what? There's one mindset we should have. You should have the warrior mindset. What mindset? What a soldier mindset. You know what a soldier mindset is? When you, when you're, when you're in the battlefield, every day in the battlefield, you're thankful that you're alive. If you have, if you have that kind of a mindset, when you get up in the morning, what will you say? Thank God I'm alive. Second, in the battlefield, if you get some food, you're thankful. You will not say, today only fish are. You not, are you every day chicken, 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 chicken? You will not say that. That is, that is, if you, if you are able to get two hours of sleep, you say, thank you, I, I slept. I warrior mindset. The problem is, many of us have literally begin, become domesticated Christians. We are like Esther in the palace. And Mordecai says, what are you talking about? Take the initiative. Don't give excuses. Look at what it says. As a door, door turns on his hinges, so does a lazy man on his bed. You get up, you ask children to wake up in the morning, what do they do? Two turns like this. I have two daughters, no? Three daughters, no? One, one sleep, sleeps here and the other two sleep here. When I said, get up, one turns like this, the other turns like this. What are they, what are they doing? Turning on the hinges. 
on the other hand, I'm on the other extreme and my wife says, get up if I oversleep. Okay, I'm never oversleep. I just get up like this, like this. And she says, why do you get up like that? You will have BP. <laughs> Look at this. A lazy man buries his hand in the, in, the bo- in the bowl. It varies him to bring it to his mouth. Oh, so difficult. The lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who can answer, answer sensibly. Look at another lazy man. Proverbs chapter 24. So I went to the field of the lazy man. And by the vineyard of the man who was devoid of understanding. Because he is wise in his own, own eyes, right? Look at what it says. And there it was all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. If the stone wall is broken down, what are you expecting to see in the farm? What are you expecting to see in the farm? And that's a question that I had. When I saw it, I considered well and I looked, at, looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest. So what will come? Poverty and need. What, is, what has happened to a lazy man? The stone wall has been broken. What are you expecting them there to see in, the, in his house and in his vineyard when the stone wall is gone? I want to give you something very interesting over here. Just This is a train of thought. Please follow this train of thought. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 8. He who digs a pit will fall into it and whoever breaks through a wall, what will bite? Okay. If you break through a wall, the serpent will bite. If the stone wall is down, what will happen to the serpent? It will come inside. Now think about it. Many people's lives, there are just not serpent bites. The whole spiritual house is full of serpents. I did not say this. I did not say this. I did not say this, Baba. This is not my words. Let Vijay be a liar. God be true. And this is Jeremiah the prophet in 9-11 Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 11. Look at what he says. I will make Jerusalem heaps and a den of what? You know what dragon is? Poisonous serpents. You know why the walls are down and what has happened? No, the entire place has become a den of dragons. You know, I'll give you an example. I just This is a picture that came to my mind. We went to our new house, new apartment that we moved in the month of Jan. Before, and we have a very nice relationship with reptiles in our home. All of us have. Reptiles of all kinds. Okay. So, my wife says, you know what? Our new home will be a lizard-free home. Absolutely no lizards. We are going to put every seal everywhere, every hole. Everything will be sealed and meshed. Period. Okay. So, the balconies are meshed. Okay. Even the screevices through which the lizards might come is also sealed. We put white cement all over. Everything was completely completely sealed. It is a lizard-free zone. So when you come to our house, you can sleep peacefully. You know what? My wife says, if at all I find a lizard in my home, I cannot sleep in the night, Vijay. So one day, in this so-called lizard-free home, there was a fantastic lizard right behind our bed, in our bedroom. I saw it. Okay, 
I ignored it. I didn't want to tell my wife. I was praying, Lord, let her not see it, Lord. Let her seeing eyes be made blind, etc. Hmm? And you know what he does? She sees it. And she says, Vichy, 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 Vichy. Lizard, 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 lizard. And you know, we are all, I told you, you know, we have got fantastic relationship with, with reptiles. No? I said, okay, what, what am I supposed to do? Do something! Get it out or kill it! No, I am an engineer, so I am thinking projectiles. <laughs> you know, projectiles means arrow or, you know. So I said, you know what, can I make a liquid arrow? Okay, I'll do one thing. 100 degrees centigrade, I'll boil water. And from a distance, throw at it. So that 100 degrees centigrade will kill the lizard because I tried it on small lizard and it dies immediately. But unfortunately, this fellow is a big, big fellow. So I made sure I had boiling water 100 degrees centigrade. As I went behind it, the problem is, you know, when you throw the water, the surface tension increases. And when the surface tension increases, the temperature cools down immediately. So the water is going, falling on that fellow, the temperature is down below 100 degrees, that fellow is not dying. So now the whole bedroom is being getting flooded with boiling water. That fellow is not dying. I said, baby, what do we do? Just okay, no. No, 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 no. Do something, do something, do something. And I called Sammy. <laughs> Sammy, I'm so sorry. You know what? I, I get sometimes so, so, so. It's not because I, 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 I'm, I'm afraid to say, I'm ashamed to say that I'm scared of lizards. It's just that I don't want, like to trouble Sammy. Okay. I called Sammy. I said, Sammy, Baba, there is a lizard in the home. So Sammy says, sir, I'm out. I will call, I'll call Mahesh. Mahesh, Vilas, everybody, everybody came to our, came to our home now. And this fellow, they're all after the lizard. And they too, sir, and then my, uh, then we, we lost, we, because, because, right? Because, ah, yeah, because is here. He said, uncle, you have a big, big stick or something like that. Uh, he took one stick. He went up the lizard, finally smashed it. Blood. And then, and, and my wife says, is it dead? Is it dead? Is it dead? <laughs> Out. Lizard is gone. And you know, I said, it is all because of Ami. You know why? In your absent-mindedness, you would have opened the door and that lizard would have gotten in while you were putting your shoes on. Then I learned a very important lesson in demonology. You see, lizards can slither in without your notice. They don't ask your permission. Can I come to your house? If they see the door open and if they can smell an insect, they are in. Now think about it. That is a lizard. Let us extrapolate it to another reptile called a snake. Just imagine a home. The walls are down. You go into the closet and you open. There's a... Viper coming out. You open another closet, another viper is coming out. You go to the go to the commode and you open the commode, another viper is coming out. The whole house is full of vipers and snakes. Can you imagine that? How will can you can you even think about staying in that home? No, my point 
this, this, my dear brothers and sisters. If breaking through a wall is going to cause a serpent bite, how much more the wall's coming down, your life is full of dragons and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. You have domesticated them now. You have domesticated your demon. I mean, I can't imagine, imagine having a python, a Burmese python as a pet. What the heck is wrong with you? And now this Burmese python is a pet and now they, they can't do anything about it. The entire Florida is full of Burmese pythons. And what is the Burmese pythons doing? It's messing up the entire ecosystem over there. You know why? They're swallowing animals. They're swallowing alligators. Alligators were supposed to be very dangerous. These Burmese pythons are going and swallowing, swallowing alligators in Florida. No, think about it, my dear brothers. Think about it. If we, as a people staying in a house, are so careful of a lizard not coming in, and when a lizard comes in, hey, get it out, get it out. Can we say how many, how many, how many, how many children of God, when they know that they're being demonized, being attacked by a demon, they will say, Pastor, get it out, Pastor, get it out, get out this demon. Pray over me, Pastor. Get out this demon, Pastor. Cast this demon out of my system. No, 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 no. We are lazy people. We have lost our initiative, my dear brothers. We have lost our initiative. We have lost and the walls are down. And our children are going to a hell in a basket and we do not even know it. We have lost initiative. Jerusalem is a den of dragons. What? What, 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 what? Can you, can you say that again? Jerusalem. What is Jerusalem? Yara, Shalem means what? A teaching which is supposed to bring peace and perfection and completion in your life. And that very place the, called the church of the living God is full of dragons. And you don't even know it. Oh, my dear brothers. We have lost the initiative. Think about it. Now think about it. How many of us think, you know, Lord, <laughs> Derek Prince makes some st- dangerous statements which scares me. He says, when the Lord sometimes is rebuking you, first he sends financial crisis. Strike one. Second, he take, sends health crisis. Strike two. Third, he sends family crisis. Strike three. If you don't respond, he'll take you out. We've lost the initiative. No, David, that is the reason why an unexamined life is not worth living. David says, year one, famine. Okay, maybe natural cause. Year two, famine. What is this, Baba? Year three, famine. Hey, there's something wrong over here. Let me go and ask God. And God says, there's a curse over your land because you broke covenant with with the giving rights. Think about it. How many of you have gone home and done a deep dive into your own spiritual condition? Your entire life is a mess of wipers and you don't even realize it. You have domesticated them, tolerated them and you have learned to live with your vices. 
initiative is with you. Not with the demonic. It's with you. Can we ever cry and say, Lord, get this demon out of my system? Why is this happening, Lord? Can we all say, Lord, Pastor, can you just pray? I'm just praying and seeking the Lord. Can you just, can we just touch and agree on this? And I'm going through the same problem over and over again. What could be the issue? Can we just pray about it and ask God for discernment? How many of us actually do it? Get this thing out of my life. I'm not supposed to be living like this. I'm supposed to be living in triumph and in victory. But on the contrary, it seems that every battle I'm facing is just is defeat. Maybe there are vipers in your house. And you don't even know it. Take the initiative, my dear brothers. The authority, the prophetic word, gives and shows you the issue. And behind it, it shows you a spirit. Get rid of the spirit. That's the reason why the very presence of Jesus, you know, you need to understand something. The very presence of Jesus was not enough to get the demon out. Jesus literally had to cast them out. The word came. Jesus came first. Right? Jesus came first. He spoke the word and he stirred up the demons. And then they said, why are you here? He said, get out. They have to be cast out. They cannot be tolerated. Understand this. This is very, very important. Don't take things lightly, especially in the last days. Just, just don't be this casual believers going through the motions of morning worship and morning and Sunday morning devotion or morning devotion. No, 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 no. These are the last days and Jesus is coming and you know what are we supposed to do? What manner of life that we are we supposed to be living? In holy conduct and godliness expecting the, the arrival of the Messiah on the other side. Examine. Take initiative. Don't become lazy. And there's a serpent bite and when the serpent bites you know what a word the word serpent bite means it is a bite means what? Interest. Usually, the same word. And you're accumulating interest upon interest upon interest upon interest upon interest. Your one lakh rupees you started with. And the principal has not gone down. But you've only been paying interest and you don't even have the money to pay interest now. It's accumulating. Jesus is coming. Oh, I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to give excuses. You know what? Mordecai tells Esther, Esther madam, those who live in, I mean those who are, you know, clothed with fantastic arrangement and who eat well, where are they found? In king's palaces. Now don't tell me you're in the king's palace, right? Don't tell me just because you think that you're not going to take the initiative, you're going to be saved. You're going to perish. And deliverance is going to come from some other place. The Lord is not going to stop. You don't, th- you don't take the initiative, you perish. So what does she do? Goes on a fast. Maybe, you know, some of us have to go on a radical fast. Some of us have to go on a digital fast. 
I mean, I mean, honestly, I'm telling you, you know, we have to, maybe we should take a, take a, take a covenant among brothers, young brothers, you know, I mean, not talking about other, uh, you, you, some people are very strong and do our, I'll leave you alone. For weak people like us, we should possibly come together and say, brothers, we hold ourselves accountable not to give heed to digital, whatever inclinations for the next 21 days. 21 day digital fast, how will, it, how will that be? Oh, we want to consume data. <laughs> We are gluttons for data. We want unlimited data. Maybe we should do a digital fast. Fasting from food after a while is easy for me now. But you know what? Yesterday my wife said, you only listen to three women. I said, what are those women, Baba? Why you flirt with three women? I said, whoa, that's an indictment. You're calling a pastor? She said, I'll tell you who those women are. Your mobile phone, your iPad and your laptop. I said, boy, thank you, Lord. It's a moment of revelation now. She's become a prophetess now. <laughs> you see? Because I, I'm, I'm like this, my headphones are like that. I'm either listening to news or I'm listening to some, some message. Heavy headphones. I've got all kinds of issues now because of that. You see? Take the initiative. Listen to the prophetic. When the prophetic comes, you know what it does? It shows the root of your problem. And you don't deal with the root. And you just try to trim off the branches. You will have a semblance or the form of godliness, but no power in your life. You will be an absolute first class hypocrite. I went to the youth meeting and I looked at them. The Lord was putting, I looked at them and I said, you know what, when I look at you, I look at a bunch of masturbators and pornographers. I look, I, I look at them and I said, you know what, you're, you, you're, you're coming and asking all these fantastic questions about evolution and what happened to creation, etc, 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 when I look at you. And immediately, the moment I said that, the very next question and answer session, is masturbation wrong? If it is wrong, how do I overcome it? Please help. I'm telling you, teenage girls struggling with pornography. Pornography? Girls? Girls? Of all the people. My dear brothers and sisters, the walls are down. Demons have infested our homes. Snakes all around the place. And you know what we have done? We have tolerated them, my dear brothers. Take the initiative. Parents, take the initiative with your children. Take the initiative with your children. Even a slight word God, God will send from someone, a source which you will least expect, and he, will, he or she will speak a word into your life. Take heed. Take heed. The Lord is speaking something. Don't take it lightly. Nobody else would have seen the problem, but God sent some, some, some vessel into your life and he speaks something into your life. Examine. That could be. You know it. The problem is you already know it. It's only a confirmation. Problem is you're hiding in a veneer of religious activity. And after a period of time, you know what happens? Because you are 
you're, you're tired of playing the hypocrite, you'll quit coming to, coming to the church. Anyways, you'll say, you know what? The church is a bunch of hypocrites. I am a hypocrite. Why should I go to the hypocrites club? I might as well stay whatever I am openly. Why do many young people just lose interest in coming to church? Because they have not dealt with that secret things in their lives. And the problem is, you know what the Bible says? The Lord will judge the secrets of men according to my gospel. Revelation chapter, Romans, Romans chapter 2 verse 17, 16, 17 and 18. Get the demon out. Get the lizards out. Get the reptiles out. Don't get used to them. Any foreign body should not stay for a long time. Sickness for a long time should not stay. Should not stay in your body. Refuse it. Ask the Lord, what is this? What is going on, Lord? Where should I, what, what kind of correction should I make? I'm not saying you should not take medication. No, 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 I'm not talking that at all. But ask the Lord because every source, every problem is just not physiological for a believer. Take the initiative. Receive the prophetic. Take the initiative. Second, the third one. Agree with God. Say everybody. Ah, you have to agree God. Agree with God and receive the authority. You need to understand this. You have to agree. With whom? With God. If two of you agree. That is the reason why walking with the Lord is important. Enoch walked with God for how many years? 300 years walked with the Lord. Can you imagine? The Bible says, who can dwell in the midst of everlasting burnings? You see, I'll tell you something very interesting about snakes, which I learned. Paul was putting the fire. What came out? Snake. Okay. If you want the snakes to come out, put the fire. Who is the fire? God. And his anointed word. Be on fire for God. The vipers will come out. They will not stay one bit. So what has happened? Enoch is walking with the everlasting burnings. Everything is coming out. <laughs> snake number one, snake number two, someday one, three, four, bunch of snakes come out. Lord, I did not realize. Yeah, 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 slowly. You will not be able to bear it. Little by little, that's what I said. Huh? <laughs> Little by little, I'll drive them out. Walked with the Lord. Agreed with the Lord. Agreed with the Lord. Agreed with the Lord. Agreed with the Lord. You know what the Bible says? He, he was taken up because he pleased God. Agree with the Lord and receive authority. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 onwards. And I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the what? The keys. What is keys? A symbol of? Authority. You can lock and you can unlock. I will give you the authority. Who has got access to the money? The one who has got the password. Key. Press the key. I will give you the password. (laughs) In other words, I will give you the password. You can unlock. You can lock. I will not only give you the password, I will give you the authority to change the password also. So that you will not never be hacked. Hmm? 
And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's exactly what he says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 18 and 19. Same words. But when does this happen? Matthew chapter 18, verse 18 and 19. 18 and 19. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you that if two, who's the two? You and God. Agree. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in my life. I agree with your will in my life. Agree. Lock ho gaya. And what comes? Authority. You know why there is no authority in our lives? We listen to the word and we disagree. And we say we should always agree to disagree. I mean, I'm, I have reservations with that kind of an. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying you know there are some essentials which you non-essentials which you, which we we should not give freedom. But there are some fundamentals. There is no disagreement there. You and the Lord are one. He, you know, the Bible says He became an atonement for us. You know what atonement means? You know what atonement means? At one with me. At one. It comes from two words. At one with God. You have been made one with God now. You have been, through the blood of Jesus Christ, there is atonement, there is peace with God. In other words, now you you and God have come into a relationship based upon a covenant. You are agreeing with God. That is the reason why it's very important as to the kind of company that you choose and the people that, that you get married to, especially, especially, especially. You know why? I'll tell you why. The Bible says every sin that you commit is outside your body. But he who commits huh, sexual immorality huh, sins against his own body. Why? Why, 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 why? I mean, I used to wonder why is that? Why is that, that that act between a man and a woman is some, considered so sacred with God? You know what the Bible says? Adam dash Eve and she conceived. What is that? Ah. There's something of, in a, in a, in a, in a union of a, of a husband and wife. There's a, there's something that, tran- that transcends. It's just not physical. There's a knowing that happens. The, you know, remember uh, Psalm 1? The Lord knows the way of the righteous. Remember? The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. The same word, Yada. The same word, Yada. Adam, Yada, Eve. And God, Yadas, means he knows us. There is some kind of a union. That is the reason why he says, that he who is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit with him. And therefore, the person with whom you are getting married to has to be a person who is joined to God so that when you are agreeing, there is no demonic transaction that is happening. Now think about it, no? Solomon loved ammonia, um, not ammonia, (laughs) sorry, okay. (laughs) Moabites, Amnons, Moabites, sorry, this is what happens, no? You know, chemistry, by the way, I used to hate it, no? Oh, I used to hate chemistry. I used to, I used to say, you know, those, I used to be a little bit, little bit of shamanist those days, I said, you know what, chemistry is for girls. 
So God gave me three girls, no? <laughs> he said, Baba, <laughs> okay, you hated chemistry. Uh, I'm going to do something with your daughters now. I, I, I don't know what they're, what they're going to become. But I already put the seeds into them and said, you know, maybe you should get into pharmacology and biotechnology and, you know, it's brains, you know, what can we do? I mean, I'm talking about techni- uh, te- technical mind, so we can't do anything about that. Habits die hard. Hmm? So, see, he married Amnons and Moabites and Sidonians and all kinds of people from other other faiths. Think about the kind of a demonic transaction that would have taken place in every meeting. In every meeting. And if Solomon was restored, it's only a miracle. The grace of God. He was the one who said, run away from the strange woman who flatters with her mouth, but she is like a double-edged sword. Her steps go down to hell and her, her place is full of the people of the dead. None who take that path's return, nor do they regain the paths of life. And that same Solomon who wrote against being one with strange woman becomes one with strange women. Now think about Samson with Delilah. You know what Delilah? Lila means night. Delilah means of the night, of the darkness. And her agenda is very clear. Lila, Lila Thor means Lila Thor means good night in Hebrew. Lila, Delilah means of the night. And her agenda is very clear. Samson, Samson, how do I destroy you? That's not very How do I destroy you? Where is your strength? Tell me, how do I bind you and destroy? I want to bind you, Samson. I want to bind you, Samson. I want to bind you, Samson. This idiot. One with her. What happens? Her spirit is away. His spirit is vexed. You know why? Because there's a demonic transaction that has happened there. My dear brothers and sisters, in the last days, there's a sacred zone inside of you. There's a sacred zone inside of each one of us. Guard it with all of your mind and all of your heart. That is only for God and nobody else. Don't open doors which you will regret later in your life. There's a sacred zone. That is the reason that the Bible says marriage is what? Honorable among all and bed undefiled but whoremongers and fornicators God will destroy many brothers and sisters why because you know what that is the reason why this says what fellowship has what light with darkness what agreement has the temple of God with the temple of idols Is there even a choice for us, my dear brothers and sisters? Be careful, young people. Be careful. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. In these things, you cannot goof up. I just admire and I get inspired from young people who stayed that course of purity, like Joseph, who stayed innocent. Not saying that we may have, we may not have struggles. We will all have struggles. We might have fallen. Come back. There's repentance in God. 
There's repentance in God. Come back, come back. Agree with God. Don't agree with the idols. Don't agree with the value systems of this world who say anything is okay. Whatever your heart says, you do. And that fellow does whatever his heart says. And what do you, if you ask him this question, he will say, Dil to pagal hai. Of course, pagal hai. Remember that the story of that woman who was dying? Husband is next to him. And he's weeping. And she said, Mera bina ji pa- ji And he just looked at his wife and he said, pagal ho main. I'll go mad. If I, I can't live without you. Can you live without me? She asked. I can't live without you. I'll go mad. Will you get married again? Phir se shadi karega. Pagal to kuch bhi kar sakta hai. She was after that, okay? Very clear, no? After I get married, I'll die, you'll marry again, fellow? You'll marry? Hmm? <laughs> Very careful about that. You see, see, that's how jealous, that is jealousy, you know? That's the reason that the Bible says, I, the first commandment is what? Thou shalt have, what? No other gods apart from me. For I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt from the house of bondage. They shall thou shall not make for yourself any carved image. Because I will I am the Lord is a what God? Jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the children, unto the third and the fourth generation. So understand this. We are in the last days. You want to have a firm foundation. First thing, receive the prophetic. Second, take initiative. Third, agree with God and receive the authority. Only in agreement with God you have authority. No other way. There is, a, there is only one authority is the is a, is a scriptures and when you agree with the scriptures, the revelation of the word of God, you have authority. You know, I was listening to Rahul Gandhi's Stanford speech. How many of you listen to that? Hey, raise your hands, Ray, if you have listened to that. Boy, what a speech, man. You know, I had tears in my eyes. You know what he said? This is what he said. I, I, I was stunned at sudden words that he used. He says, when we started off this Bharat Jodo Yatra, first thing, we just wanted to walk. And the moment I started walking, my knees started to start, started to act up and we were supposed to walk 4,000 kilometers and I was, I was thinking whether I'll be do, able to do it or not. But something incredible happened. The moment we started walking, it was just not we who were walking, the entire people started walking with us. It was just started with 125 people and it turned into millions and then crores. You know what? The, there was absolutely the entire people next to us and I, even as I went through this entire journey for 4,000 kilometers, there was a complete inter- information download into my life. So many lessons that I learned and after the, after, I, the, after the Yatra was over, I was reminiscing and I was trying to learn the lessons from this Yatra and he said something very powerful. You know what he says? There are Two things which are important. I understood the difference between force and power. How many of you heard that? Force and power. You know what he says? This, I mean, this, this is mind-blowing, okay? I, mean, I was listening to this and I was having tears in my eyes. I said, force is what the government had. It had the force of the ED. It had the force of the CBI. It had the, it had the force of the media. It had the force of money. It had all the so-called authority in its hands. But you know what? We, the people of India, had the power. 
You know why? Because we had the power, because we are as close to the truth as possible. And because we were as close to the truth as possible, there was this power and this force could not overtake this power. And I looked at that answer and I said, you know what? He's plagiarizing from the Bible. That is my Bible. The entire demonic hosts are against you. What God gives you is authority as long as you're close to the truth of the word of God. You have authority in your life and none can overpower you. Behold, I give you authority over all the enemy. Nothing can harm you. And you know what he said? In this yatra, we experienced power and not force. The force could do nothing. I was stunned. Stunned. I was like, boy, I tears. I said, boy, Lord, this guy said, Lord, at that moment in time, God said, you know what? Fast and pray for this guy. Fast and pray for this guy. Have you heard any leader talk about this in recent times? And he said, you know what? As long as we are close to the truth, we had the power. And no force could overcome that power. They had, they thought they had the they had the force, but we had the power. The devil might have, might have the power, but we have authority. The authority of God himself backing us up. That is the reason why brother John Wesley was praying. He said, you know what? We have the government. And the government is upon his shoulders. And the increase of the government, there shall be no end. No end. Agree with God. I remember Gandhi movie, you know? I don't know if you disagree with Gandhi, but I will tell you something. I love Mahatma Gandhi. I don't care what you say, what do you think about that? I like, I like that guy for whatever he is. I watched movie, the movie Gandhi. I have wept so many times. That was the first movie my, my dad showed me. No, no, the second movie. First movie was Jungle Book and the second movie was, uh, Gandhi, 1983. Whoa. What a movie it was, man. I watched it so many times. You know what he says? The British are against this. And uh, Jin- Muhammad Ali Jinnah, Sardar Patel, Gandhi, and uh, and Nehru, and they're all having a conference. And the, the, the British have, done, have have issued some edict. And Muhammad Ali Jinnah says, "I want to resist the government. I don't agree with it. We should act upon it, and we have to resist it." And everybody is thinking that we should apply force. And Gandhi comes and says. In that movie, it's a beautiful scene, okay? He says, you know what? Yeah, I agree with Jinnah. They're all shocked. Gandhi, you agree with Jinnah that we have, we have to resist it? He said, absolutely. So how are they going to resist it? You know what he says? We should proclaim a national day of fasting. What? A national day of fasting? Everybody in your home, don't go to work, just fast. Don't do anything. The entire government will stop. They will come to their knees and they will surrender. These were great men. They might not have known God. They might have had their failures. They might have had their shortcomings. But he has his Christian companion, right? He is walking through the streets of South Africa and there's one guy who is calling him Kuli, Kuli, Kuli. And his, his Christian friend says, let us avoid the street. And Gandhi says, why should we avoid the street? Let's walk through it. Why, why, let's walk through them. Does not your Bible say, if somebody slaps on your right hand, show him the left hand? And you know what he says? 
you do that, you know what your, what your God was saying? When you do that, you're telling the enemy that you're not scared of him. That you, that you are going to die for your convictions no matter what he does to you. Come on. Walk aside, walk beside me. And he walks through the streets, looking, looking straight in that, into that fellow's eye. And even as he walks through the streets, those fellows who are heckling at him slowly give way and he walks past them. You know, these are powerful scenes. You know why? Because he has the backing of the truth of the Bible. And this is an un- unbeliever, my dear brothers and sisters. How much more you and I? How much more you and I? How much more you and I agree with God and receive, say that, authority. Say that, authority. Authority. Third, fourth thing, the basis of all authority. What did I say? Receive the prophetic. Say that everybody. Receive the prophetic. Take the initiative against the demonic. Are you say that? No. Huh? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Exactly. Let's receive the prophetic. Take the initiative against the demonic. Agree with God and receive authority. All this on the fourth most important thing. Basis of all authority is the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Don't forget the cross. Okay? We don't retaliate. We only apply the cross in our life. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 21. This is what it says. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 21. Shall we all read it? Yeah. While I take my drink break, okay? Mm -hmm. Yes. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples. Show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. Suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and this is the gospel. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, was buried and rose again again from the dead. According to the scriptures, this is the gospel. This is the message of the cross and all authority is based upon the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. The source of all authority or rather the basis of all authority. This is what, this is what I got from Derek Prince. Okay. The thing is, I learned so much from Derek Prince that I have to mention Derek Prince so many times. But, you know, we should not mention about Derek Prince. We should mention about Jesus. Okay? So, the source of all authority is God. Say that. The channel of all authority is Jesus. Yeah. The basis of all authority is the cross. And the receiving of this authority is by faith. No? The source of all authority is God. Because there is no other authority other than God. You have to receive that authority from God. And the channel of, the, of this authority is Christ. The basis of this authority is, uh, is the cross. And the way you receive this authority is by faith. On the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Okay? So what should we have? We should have a cross mindset. We should develop a cross mindset A mindset to suffer. A mindset to deny. A mindset to be hidden in Christ. Like John Wesley was praying in the morning, he said, we were crucified with Christ. It is no longer we who live. We don't want, see, the life of faith and the application of the cross of Christ are so intricately connected, you cannot separate one from the other. 
We overcome this world by, this is the victory that overcomes the world. What is that? By faith. You know what Paul also says in Galatians? It is through the cross of Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So what is that? How do you get this faith? By the application of the cross. You see, everything, you want to overcome sin? Anything which is not of faith is? So if you want to overcome sin, you should have what? Faith. But if you want to overcome sin, sin shall not have dominion over you because you are no longer under law but under grace. Therefore, what should you do? Yield the members of your body. In other words, application of the cross. Knowing that your old man was crucified on the cross so that the body of sin is done away with. So, application. So, the basis is all cross. The basis of all blessing is God. The channel of all blessing is Christ. The basis or the source of all of all blessing is God. The channel of the blessing is Christ. The foundation of the blessing is the cross. And the way you receive the blessing is by faith. The, the source of all healing is I am the Lord that heals you. The source of all healing is the channel of all healing, healing is the foundation of all healing is cross. How do you receive that healing? By faith. You see, the source of all righteousness is God. The channel of righteousness is Christ. The basis of righteousness is cross. How do you receive this righteousness? By faith. Anything of eternal value is God. The channel is Christ. The foundation is cross. Receive it by faith. But the problem though here is we don't like the cross. What is that? We don't like the cross. So the moment cross is mentioned, what does Peter say? What does he say? Uh, sorry, 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 sorry. I forgot that was. Um, where am I? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, this is. The, and Peter, uh, I, I forgot that verse. If you, somebody can, I, I'm going to read it from here for you from here. Okay, uh, this is Matthew chapter 16, verse number 22 and 23. Follow closely. Okay, it's not on the screen. You can follow closely. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, "Far be it from you, Lord! This shall not happen to you." Okay. No, the moment a cross is mentioned, you don't like it. Now think about this. Peter get this revelation from God. I told you, no? Check the revelation. Check the source. Immediately Jesus is active. You know what Jesus says? Get thee behind me, Satan. And look at the wordings. Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mention this. I should have put it on the slide. Listen carefully. This is, this is what he says. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense or a stumbling block to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, but you are mindful of the things of man. If you were there at the Nepali service, how many of you listened to me? We were there. Okay, the privilege is given to some revelations are in only in Nepali. Okay, some revelations are only in Nepali. If you are after revelation, you will listen to the Nepali service. So this is something which I heard for the very first time from pastors from pastor. Abraham is given this promise from God. How many of you know that story? 
Abraham receives this promise and he got, and, uh, and uh, Abraham asks this question. How do you, how do I know that you're going to give me this promise? So what, what does God say? I'm going to make a covenant with you. So what does he do? He gets three-year-old heifer, lamb, another animal, and the turtle down a pigeon. And he says, divide them. Okay. The movement, and what is it, what is it? What is that a type of? So when, when he, after after he divides them, who walks amongst that in in between that? Abraham is asleep. He's put to sleep. God Himself walks through that, through that, uh, through those animals, saying that if anyone breaks the terms of the covenant, I'm going to take the punishment. In other words, I'm going to be the substitutionary sacrifice. But before he, that happens, Abraham does something. The vultures come. Ah, oh. remember what does Abraham do? He shoes them away. And Pastor something said, said something very powerful. I love that. He, you know what he said? Whenever there is a cross, there are demonic agendas and ideas to steal the message of the cross. Vultures, a symbol or a type of de- spirit of demons. And wh- what we have to do as children of Abraham, shoo them away. So if you want to, de- you, you really want the blessing from God and the source of all authority is God, what should you develop? A mindset of the cross. Therefore it says in First Peter chapter 4, and verse number 1 onwards, look at what it says. Verse number 1 onwards, therefore since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same, what? Mind. You know what Jesus told, said, uh, told Peter? You're not mindful of the things of God, but you're mindful of the things of man. So what should you do? Arm yourself. That's what I said. You should develop a warrior mindset. A warrior mindset. So that you no longer should live the rest of your time in the flesh for the lusts of men. I told you, all the snakes in your life. Eating you up. And you don't even know them. Or you have actually made your compromise with them. Some people have just given up. There's a vice in their life. They have fought and fought and fought and they said, you know what, this is going to be for there for the rest of my life. They have made peace with it. Look at what it says, verse 3. For we have spent enough. Everybody say, enough Lord. Enough. Enough is enough. No more. The rest of my life, whatever lifestyle, life, lifestyle, life I have left, I have left with me. I do not want to live for these snakes. In my life. Guard your mind against the onslaught of the demonic. Which steals the message of the cross. And that, that is the reason why he says in Philippians chapter 3. They are enemies of the cross of Christ. Whose glory is in their shame. Their God is their belly. And their mind is on what? What things? Earthly things. The life of faith and the application of the cross are intricately connected. So don't miss out on the cross, my dear brothers and sisters. The cross, the cross, the cross. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. 
No turning back. If any man puts his hand upon the plow and he turns back, he is not what? Fit for my kingdom. He's not worthy. Remember Elijah comes and puts his mantle on Elisha and he says, he says, can I go and say tata to mommy and papa? He says, you know, what has this got to do with me? I did not call you, Baba. I did not call you. First of all, I did not want you. That's what, that's what Elijah said. He meant, you know, God said, okay, fine. Go and uh, anoint this guy. I did not want you. I did not call you. This is a call of God. This has got nothing to do with me. And if you really want to follow me, burn all your bridges. Unfortunately, Elisha had a servant. He had another mindset. Saving mindset. What mindset? Saving mindset. As the Lord God lives, I will get something for myself. My master has has rejected this offering. So he runs. Why are you coming? My ministry needs some support. There are two prophets who came. Can you give me one gold, uh, one, one, one shekel of silver and he says, take two, take ten. Slowly he comes, puts everything inside, hides it nicely and he comes and stands before Elisha, acts as if nothing has happened. Gehazi, where have you been? Your servant did not go anywhere. Gehazi, when you were running after that man, did not my spirit go with you? Is this the time for you to build houses? Houses. To get gold, could get silver, get, get female servants and male servants. Is this? I only took two pieces of gold, but I know your plan. You have a five-year plan. Long-term five-year plan. Just in case ministry does not work, Something to bank myself upon. A cushion for me to fall. I don't know. Elisha might have said, you know what? When Elijah called me, I burnt all my bridges. You think this is a light thing? Anyone who puts his hand on the plow and he turns back, he's not worthy. And you know what he says? The leprosy of Naman will stick to you and your descendants forever. He short-circuited the life of his entire generation now. Oh, my dear brothers and sisters, the cross, the cross, the cross, a mindset to deny. So first, receive the prophetic. Take initiative against the demonic. Agree and receive authority. The basis of all this is the cross. And develop, fifth one, a mindset of the cross. A mindset to suffer. How does it look like? Desire Christ. Everybody say, desire Christ. Everybody say, desire Christ. Not desire fellowship. Not desire pastor. Not desire anybody else. Desire Christ. My entire focus is Christ. Not money, not fame, not authority, but Christ. Matthew chapter 16, 
Verse number 24. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires, I love that word desire. Desire. You see, if you do not have the desire, I can tell Abigail so many things. No? But the breakthrough in my life is when she goes and takes the textbook by herself. Ah, Oh, what a day that would be. Now she has several other books except the textbook, which I desire. You know, I said, Lord, do I have the children? Do I have children after my own heart? I don't know. <laughs> the day. What a day of rejoicing that will be. No? That's what people, that's what God is looking at, no? Blessed are those who what? Hunger and thirst. After what? Oh, righteousness. The kingdom of God, the scepter of my kingdom is the kingdom of righteousness. The, if seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, where are those people who are hungry for me? Who desire things after my own heart? That is the reason why God loved David because he was a man after God's heart. What you desire is my desire. Where you go, I will go. Your people, my people. Where you die, I will die. The reproaches of Christ are better than the passing, passing pleasures of sin. Desire. Do you desire Christ? Do you have a hunger for his word? You have a hunger for his righteousness? You have a hunger for holiness? You have a hunger for purity? In your thought life? Do you have a hunger? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they, for they, only they will be satisfied. If you do not hunger and thirst after righteousness and hunger and thirst after anything else, you will not be satisfied like Solomon. You will be a miserable wreck at the end of your life. And you will say, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Look at David's psalm. We all, we all, we've, we've forgotten the psalm in, the, in our church sometimes. I, I believe. Psalm 42. As a heart, I love that. As the heart. <laughs> you know, you should have been H-E-R-T also. I don't know. Huh? Panteth after the water. So my soul longs after you, God. My mind is so trained. It's not my spirit now anymore. My spirit has transferred its desires to my soul. My will is your will, Lord. My feelings are your feelings. My mind is your mind. I want to know your mind. My soul thirsts after you. For God. For the living God. When shall I come? When shall I appear? You know, if you have this kind of a desire, when you come to church, you will be, you will be literally desiring for the word. Lord, teach me. Teach me. Teach me, Lord. Speak to my life. Speak to my heart. Your servant is hearing. So, first thing, receive the prophetic. Take the initiative and kick out the demonic. Agree with God and receive his authority. And basis of all authority, don't forget, is a cross. 
develop a cross mindset. And when you do that, you will automatically begin to desire God. For whoever desires. That is the reason why, you know, don't worry about, I want to have so many people in my church. Forget about that. You know what Jesus said? Very simple formula. Follow me. Ah, ah, what will I do? I will make you fishers of men. So what should you do? For, that's the point. The secret of church growth, a secret of any growth in your ministry is following Christ. Not, not strategies as to how to get numbers. Follow. And I will make you. That's the reason why I asked him. Follow, follow. I will follow Jesus. Every day, every day. I will follow you. Follow. Everywhere he's leading, I will follow you. So thirst for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Desire God. And finally, develop a cross mindset. Desire a God. And deny yourself. Everybody say that? Oh! Deny self happens so many ways. You can deny food, deny sleep, deny phone. You know, we should come into a covenant relationship, no? All the youngsters, no? All the young men in the church. Maybe we should do it after somebody's wedding, okay? Uh, we should do that. We, all of us, we should come to a covenant relationship and say, you know what? No phone for 21 days. And if you want to reach us, Call our wives. <laughs> Something like that, I don't know. <laughs> That'll be interesting, no? You just want to just cut off. Do a digital detox. Get all the things junk out of your head and just read the word, not the pad. The word. The printed word which you have forgotten completely. Deny Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offered salvation to all people. It teaches us to say, no. Everybody say no. No. To ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. So that we will be ready for the age to come. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Why? Why do we have to do that? Why do we deny ourselves? Because this is what he did. He gave himself for me. He gave himself for me. So that he could purify for himself a pure, spotless, precious bride. Zealous for what? For good works. Zealous for good works. So how do we build a foundation and make it firm? Once, one last recap. Say that everybody. Receive the prophetic word. Take the initiative against the demonic. Agree with God and receive authority. And the basis of all authority is the cross. Therefore develop a mindset of the cross. Desire Christ. Deny self. And if you are at one with God, let us rise to our feet. (laughs) If you are at one with God, let's rise to our feet. On the 11th of July of the 16th year 
of Grace Tabernacle Church, Hyderabad. You know, in the book of Nehemiah, there are several meetings. You know, there is a, I mean, we, we all know fasting and prayer meeting, you know, fasting and prayer meetings are there. Feasting meetings are there. Thanksgiving meetings are there. All kinds of meetings are there. But there's a one specific meeting. It's called covenant meeting. What meeting? You know what they do? They come together and make a covenant with God and say, you know what? We will not allow these foreign people to come into our lives. We will deny ourselves this worldly lust and we will stick to the word of God and they make a covenant with themselves, with God. Every time we come to the ministry of the word, you know what should it be? It should be a covenant meeting. Amen. It's just not an ordinary meeting. It's a covenant meeting, my dear brothers and sisters. Meeting means what? We are agreeing with God. We have resolved all the disagreements that God had with us, not we having with God. We have resolved. And we are coming to a commitment saying, Lord, I want to make a covenant with you. That I want to follow you. I want to live a life for you. I want to make my foundation firm. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we just want to thank you this morning. Lord, we have a long way to go. But the time is short. So many of us have unfinished business. With God and with man. Strifes that have to be resolved. Arguments that have to be resolved. Misunderstandings that have to be resolved. Forgiveness that has to be asked. Accounts that have to be settled. Debts that have to be repaid. Your word says, oh man, anything except the debt of love. And a work that has to be finished. Your work in our lives and through our lives. And even as your child sang, Make me a blessing. That is our cry this morning. That Lord, we will just not be blessed. That we will be a blessing. We want to agree with you. We want to have resolved all our disagreements with you. We want to clear all accounts with you. We want to clear our accounts with our spouses. We want to clear our accounts with our children. We want to clear our accounts with our pastors and our elders. We want to clear our accounts with our brothers and sisters in the church. We want to clear our accounts with anything we have offended, anybody we have offended before you come. Lord, inject into us a sense of urgency. Because Lord, your word says, even through your apostle, you said, Lord, my little children, this is the last hour. And the Antichrist is coming. A world which is against the church. An agenda which is against the body of Christ. But Lord, before that happens, we want to make our foundations firm. We want to receive your prophetic. We want to receive the prophetic. We want to obey like that woman. Even if it is risky, ostensibly, But we know, Lord Jesus, obeying you is never risky. It is a risk not to obey you. It is when Jonah went on to the other side, he fell into a storm. 
it's always safe with you in the midst of the storm. Because following you is not a risk. We want to obey you, overcoming any offense and any pride. Even if it comes from a from an ostensibly insignificant voice, Lord, we want to humble ourselves and we receive one, we want to receive that word, knowing it is not from man, but it is from God. We want to take make course corrections in our lives. Grant us that sense of urgency this morning. We want to have our foundations firm and sure. Because we want to receive the kingdom and we want to be a part of the kingdom which cannot be shaken. And you said, oh Lord, little flock, it is my will and it is my desire to give you the kingdom. It is your desire to give us a kingdom. But do we desire you, Lord? Create in us a hunger for you. A desire for you. The Lord made his ways known unto Moses, but his acts unto the children of Israel. That's what your word says. We want to know you, O Lord. We want to know your ways. And we want to experience your presence. And we want to say along with David, Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit from us. Don't take away, cast us away from your presence. Yes, Lord, in the new covenant, we have been sealed by your spirit, but we do not want to grieve him by our disobedience and our unbelief. Forgive us, Holy Spirit, if you have grieved you. Come back into our lives. If you have silenced your convictions, you have silenced your your warnings and your voice, forgive us. We don't want to quench you. We don't want to lie to you. We want to be filled with the Spirit. Lord, even as we receive your word by faith, fill us with your Spirit. Even as your word goes through the week, through different meetings, oh Lord, I pray, you will strengthen us and you will continue to make our foundation firm. So that, Lord, we will have a strong basis upon which to stand. And no matter what the enemy tries to hurl at us, we will not fall. Because our house was founded on that rock. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Thank you Lord for this morning. Commit all of your children into your hands. Even as we go for the rest of the, by the, by the, rest of the week. You be with us and guide us. The sun will not smite us by day. Nor the moon by night. Because we look at that hill. The hill that was far away. On that hill where the, where the prince of glory died. On that cross. That hill, the hill of Golgotha. We look at that hill, O oh Lord. From whence comest our help? Our Savior who was crucified on that hill. Who shed his own blood for us. Who bore our shame. Who bore our sin. Who bore our curse. Who bore the penalty for our crimes. And our rebellion. We look up to that hill and we confess that we will be blessed in our goings out and we will be blessed in our comings in. The Lord will preserve our going out and our coming in from this time forth and even forever. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us through this week. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.